let's start with Donald Trump tweeting, Iran made a very big mistake. Iran made a very big mistake. For all we know, he's tweeting this from his uh, bed, eating cheeseburgers and drinking Diet Coke, because literally this is what the President of the United States does. He watches Fox News in bed, eats cheeseburgers, and drinks Diet Coke all day. This is what is reported. So Donald Trump uh, is saying Iran made a very big mistake because the Department of Defense, the CIA, the FBI, the usual suspects are saying, putting out, Iran shot down a U.S. drone in international airspace. Where's the evidence of this? We'll tell you after the war. We'll tell you after the war where the evidence is. Let's see what President Trump had to say. When I came here, Iran was in 14 to 18 different sites of confliction. Uh, they were extremely hostile. They were hostile when they signed the deal. They were screaming death to America. And I think probably Iran made a mistake. I would imagine it was a general or somebody that made a mistake in shooting that drone down. And fortunately, that drone was unarmed. It was not, there was no man in it. And there was no, it was just, it was over international waters, clearly over international waters. But we didn't have a man or woman in the drone. We had nobody in the drone. Are you still open? It would have made a big difference, let me tell you. It would have made a big, big difference. But uh, I have a feeling, and maybe wrong, and I may be right, but I'm right a lot. I have a feeling that it was a mistake made by somebody that shouldn't have been doing what they did. I think they made a mistake. And I'm not just talking to the country made a mistake. I think that somebody under the command of that country made a big mistake. And you're talking to Iran's leadership. Let's just see what happens. You just let's see what happens. It's all going to work out. I don't know. I, I find it hard to believe it was intentional, if you want to know the truth. I think that it could have been somebody who was uh, loose and stupid that did it. But we'll be able to report back and you'll understand exactly what happened. But it was a very foolish move. That I can tell you. What you, you look at their members of your administration who are trying to push you into conflict? No, not at all. Not at all. In fact, in many cases, it's the opposite. But I will say, look, I said I want to get out of these endless wars. I campaigned on that. I want to get out. We've been in Afghanistan for 19 years. As you know, we've reduced very substantially in Afghanistan. Uh, we beat the caliphate. We took back 100% of the caliphate. When it was 99%, Justin, I said... We're going to get out. We're going to start peeling back. And everybody went crazy. I'm sorry. I shouldn't be laughing because we're talking about war here. But I don't know if uh, I don't know if President Trump uh, missed the memo that drones are unmanned. Drones are unmanned things in the sky. So if it were manned, that's called an airplane. Sorry to break it to the president of the United States, what a drone is versus an airplane. I don't even know where to start. When he says, well, clearly it was an international, the drone was an international, shot down in international uh, airways. Clearly to who? Look, clearly means there's some evidence of this. I've seen no evidence that that drone was flying in international airspace. Have you? 
But this is the thing with the military industrial complex and the corporate media that props up the military industrial complex. They just regurgitate without any thought what they are fed by the warmongers in the Defense Department, in the CIA, in the FBI, because they are public relations for the military industrial complex. Or as my friend Mike Gravel says, the military industrial complex via Wall Street. Sorry, I don't have a great Mike Gravel um, impression. And by the way, I put in a request to interview Mike because uh, I want to talk to him about what's going on. I mean, we might be at war with Iran within a week or two. And I'm, I don't say that casually, but it's true. So you got basically a corporate media hysteria. I've been watching CNN, MSNBC today. It's just stated as fact, stated as fact. Oh, uh, those Iranians, they shot down a U.S. drone in international airspace. You know, Kimberly, I saw that. You know, you know what the problem is about progressive media in general? Sorry to go on a, a tangent. Kimberly wrote, status coup competing with Lee Camp right now. You know, the other day I was on and Jimmy Dore was on live. Kyle Kalinske was on live at the same time. Today I'm on, Lee's on. I love all these guys. Uh, and there's women too, female hosts um, in progressive media. So I wish, and I have called for this, I wish that progressive media can work together. Imagine if there was a one network, one network that had a schedule and Jimmy, Jimmy Dore was on at X time and Secular Talk was on at another time and this one was on at another time. Instead of constantly stepping on each other's shoes or feet, I would love that. And I bet you people would pay probably 10 bucks a month, 10, 20 bucks a month for that kind of network. And I have proposed that to some very smart people in independent media. But for whatever reason, they don't want to do it. It doesn't mean status quo wouldn't exist as its own entity and the Jimmy Dore wouldn't exist as its own entity. Everybody could be their own thing, but just have a schedule. So everybody could watch the independent news that they want without it all being on top of each other. Because I'm not knocking Lee. He should go live when he wants to go live and when it's convenient for him. Same thing with Jimmy and this and that. But like where I'm coming from, 5 o'clock Eastern is the best time I feel for us to go live. So like I can't work my schedule around when people are going to go live every day. So it's a little frustrating. I wish everybody would coordinate with each other. But what are you going to do? I could only go live when I go live. If, if when I'm live, you would rather watch somebody else, God, God bless you. But I think status quo is where you should be. Getting back to this. So basically, all of the corporate media outlets, they're bringing on all the generals, the, the former generals, to basically tell us how we need to go to war with Iran tomorrow. And CNBC is literally bringing on disgraced war criminals to tell us why we should go to war with Iran. And the tanker attacks that took place last week, there's been so much speculation about what's going on, but from your vantage point and what you know, how, how do you read all of this? 
Yes. Well, it's obviously a complicated situation. It's a dangerous situation. Um, I do think that uh, we are seeing that Iran is the big troublemaker in the Middle East. I think we've known that for a long time. But the Iranians can be reckless. They can engage in activities that you would think, uh, why would you do that? Because it's going to provoke a response. Obviously, they are being squeezed pretty hard under the sanctions that the administration has put on. And I will say that uh, the decision to leave the uh, Iran nuclear deal, uh, clearly the Iranians are trying to fight back, but it says something about that deal that the Iranians are so quickly able to start saying that they can break out, they can start enriching at a very high level. Um, I watched Secretary Pompeo. I, I think that he is somebody of uh, significant substance and uh, a cool head. Um, I know the people uh, like John Bolton. I think they will manage this. We need the Europeans with us. This is a time for the United States and Europe to say to the Iranians, it's fine to come back to the table, but uh, not when you're threatening uh, to cause uh, havoc in the Middle East or uh, in, uh, in the, uh, along the sea lanes. Do you think the 2015 agreement was the wrong choice for the United States? <laughs> I mean, first of all, I mean, where do you even start? CNBC is a disgrace. Uh, they should be fired for having Condoleezza Rice on. It's a, it's, it's a disgrace. She's a war criminal. But in America, war criminals are elevated. They're given awesome uh, professor jobs at Stanford, I think she's a press professor at. Um, you know, they're giving speaking gigs. They're invited on. Uh, to NBC, to CNBC. I think she was on the Today Show as well. Let's get her opinion on Iran on the Today Show from Condoleezza Rice. So, first of all, a little history lesson. We overthrew Mossadegh, the democratically elected president of Iran in the 1950s because Mossadegh would not hand over Iran's oil to the United States. This was all the way back in the 1950s. So this created the wrecking ball that brutal dictate, more brutal dictators, uh, Mossadegh was not like the Shah, but, or, or Khomeini. But we basically created this human wrecking ball in Iran by overthrowing the democratically elected leader of that country. So we also, I don't love Barack Obama, but I was for the Iran nuclear deal. And experts say there was no evidence that they were breaking the Iran, the terms of the Iran nuclear deal. But Donald Trump removed us from the Iran nuclear deal, not because there was any evidence that they were violating it, because Donald Trump and John Bolton and Mike Pompeo it's not, they're not worried about the nukes. They want the oil. It's about the oil, and it's about owning the geopolitical oil market. That's it. So we've also, like we've done in Venezuela, absolutely destroyed Iran's economy. That's... According to international law, the sanctions that we've put on Venezuela and Iran are illegal. So, I'm sorry, you're telling me that the military-industrial complex, the CIA, the Department of Homeland Security, um, 
Department of Defense, all of them. First, Iran uh, attacked a, a, a tanker, a Japanese tanker. That's the first propaganda. But then the owner of the tanker says uh, it wasn't Iran. Okay. Now, a U.S. drone, who our president, which our president refers to as an unmanned drone, which means an airplane, not a drone, but let's put that aside. Now they're saying uh, Iran shot down a, a, a U.S. drone in international airspace. The evidence? We'll, we'll give you the evidence after we start the war. There is no evidence. But of course, you know, Barbara Starr, that stenographer at CNN, Barbara Starr, live from the Pentagon, to give you a word-for-word -word transcript of what a deep state general just told me. Back to you, Wolf. The Pentagon says, the CIA says, the Homeland Security says, we don't know because we haven't actually verified whether it's true or not, but that's what they tell us. Back to you, Wolf. I'm just trying to imitate as best I can. Ben Norton, who will be joining me on Sunday in the flesh for our Sunday live stream marathon. Ben Norton will be here in my studio, in my studio, because uh, Ben Norton is somebody that I really look to uh, for sense on foreign policy. He knows his stuff. He's with the gray zone. So Ben tweets out, let's be clear. The Trump administration sent a drone into what Iran says was, it was its sovereign airspace. The U.S. knew Iran would shoot it down in self-defense, but the U.S. government also knew the corporate media would obediently portray this as Iranian escalation, helping justify Trump's aggression. I couldn't have said it better myself, because that's the point. The deep state knows that at the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, which, by the way, Amazon, who owns the Washington Post, has a billion-dollar contract with the Pentagon, a $600 million contract with the CIA. So they'll print whatever the generals tell them. They'll print whatever the CIA tells them. That's the Amazon Washington Post. So basically, John Bolton, Mike Pompeo, and Donald Trump are just banking on that the corporate media will just regurgitate whatever they say, whether it's true or not, because that's what we did in Iraq. That's what we did going to Libya. That's what we've done in Syria. That's what we do with Venezuela. It's all stenography, and this is what leads to millions of people dying around the world senselessly. Ben followed up. You can follow him at Benjamin Norton, by the way. The Trump administration's strategy towards Iran is blatantly aggressive and illegal provocation. But the corporate media is dutifully going along with this, helping to whitewash U.S. aggression, portray Iran as the aggressor, and sell a new war. The corporate media is a handmaiden to war. Couldn't agree more. Case study and propaganda. NBC's Today Show obediently regurgitates the U.S. military's narrative with no skepticism. Iran says the U.S. drone was in its airspace. U.S. military says otherwise. Whose claims make the headline? U.S., of course. This is state media. And then he shows the headline. Iran shoots down U.S. drone in international airspace. I mean, you really, let me get something straight. It's not that the corporate media has not learned the lessons of Iraq. They've learned the lessons, but they're paid to ignore those lessons. 
they know what they are feeding is not verified. They know what they are feeding is likely bullshit. Oop, demonetized, get to the swear jar. They know that they are just putting out propaganda. But they don't care because it's all a racket for these anchors and journalists. Their kids aren't going to be the ones going to Iran to fight the war that we're going to fight. So what do they care? They're, they're making a lot of money if you're a CNN journalist getting your paycheck signed by AT&T or Comcast if you're getting your uh, NBC getting your check signed by Comcast. And of course, cable news ratings, newspaper uh, revenue goes up when there's war. What did they say? War is a racket. It's disgusting. And then Ben points out, the corporate media is inviting the same war criminals who lied to justify the illegal war on Iraq to peddle more lies to justify an illegal war on Iran. CNBC also did a softball interview with Iraq war architect Condoleezza Rice, who just demonized Iran. Yep. This is just state media propaganda. Everything is the Pentagon says, the Pentagon says. CBS correspondent is in the United Arab Emirates, and he embeds directly with the U.S. military for his anti-Iran report. The CBS, then CBS cuts to its, quote, expert pundit at the Pentagon. Everything about this is state media propaganda. CBS correspondent is in the United Arab Emirates. The correspondent with his spray-on tan then embeds with the U.S. Navy, which he obediently echoes. Then the CBS expert is at the Pentagon. It is impossible to overstate how horrible, ridiculous, irresponsible, dishonest, and propagandist U.S. corporate media coverage is on Iran and Venezuela, Russia, China, etc. The more you travel, the more you see how it's just brainwashing to manufacture consent for U.S. government crimes. The reason that Tulsi Gabbard has been completely blacked out by the corporate media and the reason that when she even does get co coverage, they just make her out to be an Assad apologist and a Putin puppet and all this stuff, is simply because there is only one thing scarier to the establishment. One thing scarier than, you know, Medicare for all. And that's putting a dent in the military industrial complex. Because the military industrial complex has been running this country basically since the 1940s. Dwight Eisenhower warned against a military industrial complex and he was foreshadowing something very, very real. And you know what? Even if, even if Iran did shoot down a U.S. drone in, Iran, in international airspace, you know what? Then we do diplomacy. The first reaction to things cannot automatically be war, 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 more war. And I got to tell you, I highly doubt, I highly doubt Iran shot down a U.S. drone unless that drone was in Iranian territory, which they would have every right to shoot down a U.S. drone who could, for all, for all they know, be about to drop a massive amount of bombs and missiles. They would, be, they would have every single right to do it. So would Russia. So would any country. If you are invading their airspace... And since, you know, there's kind of a track record of the United States lying about intelligence 
I, or, you know, attacks. I give you the Gulf of Tonk Tonkin lie, fed for Vietnam. I'm not going to just believe what the Pentagon tells me. I'm not going to just believe what Mike Pompeo tells me. I'm certainly not going to believe what John Bolton tells me. And the thing that scares me the most, folks, what scares me the most is we have a president that if his poll numbers go down to a dangerous level, if his internal polling shows that he's going to get creamed by whoever the Democratic nominee is, you don't think this president has the character to just toss us into an unnecessary war, to get his poll numbers up, to rally support. You got to be patriotic. You got to support the president like George W. did in 2004. You're un-American if you, you don't support the troops if you're against the surge in Iraq. You don't think Donald Trump would do that? Particularly with the corporate media just basically salivating on screen. Give us war in Iran. Give us a war. The Pentagon says we need a war, so by golly, we need a war. I wake up from an email from NBC News. Thank you for your interest in attending the first Democratic presidential debate hosted by NBC News, MSNBC, and Telemundo in Miami. Unfortunately, due to space constraints, we are unable to approve your request for a press credential. We will keep your information on file and contact you if we are able to accommodate your request. You can watch the debate at 9 p.m. on Wednesday, June 26th and Thursday, June 27th on NBC News, MSNBC, and Telemundo. For questions, please contact NBC Miami Debate 2020. So, tell you the truth, I was not surprised by this. I was kind of expecting it because, number one, um, this is a good thing. Thank you, Hank, five, bu five bucks in the super chat. If Hillary was president, we'd be at war with Syria and probably Iran too. You're probably right. That's why I didn't vote for her. So, you know, I covered, I think, four or five, maybe, yeah, five or six debates in 2016. Got into each one of them. I was with the Young Turks at the time. So, it was the last debate I covered, the third presidential debate, where, uh, you know, I was fortunate. I had access because I had a credential. So I got in there and I was uh, able to, I thought, very respectfully but aggressively confront uh, then DNC chair Donna Brazil, who was, frankly, regurgitating lies to me on a loop. And boy, did that go viral. I really didn't expect it. I thought it would, like, do well, but I didn't think it was going to get, I think it's got, like, half a million views on YouTube. I think it also got uh, over a million views on Facebook. So let's just say um, the DNC, I, I, I permanently lost my Christmas party invitation from the DNC after that. And that's okay, because I'm Jewish. And secondly, I would never go to a DNC Christmas party. So, you know, when you're applying for credentials, credentials give you a little pass to put around your neck. It gives you entry into the debate. 
It gives you entry into the press room and it gives you the ability uh, in before the debate and more importantly after the debate to be in what they call the spin room. And the spin room is where campaign officials, campaign managers, communications people, whatever, Tom Perez, DNC leaders, all that, they go to lie to the press. That's why it's called the spin room. They go to dress up if your candidate did terrible and to dress, yeah, basically to dress up their candidate. So I'm thinking, wait a minute here, because I remember seeing at all the debates I covered in 2016, I remember seeing outlets that had less audience than Status Quo does right now. We're 14 months old and we already were about to hit 44,000 subscribers, thanks to you. And if you're not a subscriber, what are you doing? Press the subscribe button and then click all notifications. But there's, there's like little local outlets there that don't have the following we have. I've seen YouTube channels with credentials that have far less of a following than us. So what exactly is the basis on approving or denying credentials? I'm pretty sure they have space for myself and my cameraman, Ty Bayless. Pretty sure they have space for two more. So I emailed uh, that email, that NBC email, which uh, I'll give you right here. And I encourage viewers to do the same. And I encourage you, do, you to do the same too. And I've already seen emails from viewers basically being like WTF NBC. And I said to them, uh, this doesn't make sense to me because I know you don't. I know you got space for us. And we have a pretty decent following. 44,000 subscribers ain't nothing. And we're a progressive media outlet. Doesn't the Democratic Party say that they're progressive? So then I emailed the DNC and I said to the DNC, hey, what's the deal here? Does this have anything to do with maybe we have reported critically on the DNC hiring as its finance director, a major Hillary Clinton and Debbie Wasserman Schultz donor who just a few months ago was tweeting out nasty things about Bernie Sanders, who is now the finance director of the DNC. Could that maybe have anything to do with it? Could it have anything to do with me challenging Donna Brazil in 2016? Because, you know, the DNC doesn't have to like status quo. The NBC doesn't have to like status quo. But I think most objective people could say we've done pretty good work. We broke a major national story on the Flint water crisis last year that is actively now being investigated by the Attorney General of Michigan. That I know. We knocked on almost 500 doors, Jen and I, to break that story. So we're a legitimate news outlet. More legitimate than most of the people getting credentials. I will tell you, they might be blowing smoke up my behind, but the DNC did get back to me pretty quickly, actually. They said, I understand your frustration. And they would personally ask NBC to make an exception for us. Now, I could just, to all 200 of you watching, bash the DNC. But I said to the DNC guy who emailed me, I said, I appreciate that. And if you reach out to NBC, and if you get them to reverse this decision, then I will personally go on live and I will credit the DNC for doing the right thing. Then I'm going to go in and I'm going to challenge Joe Biden's campaign. 
and I'm going to challenge for the people Kamala Harris's campaign, and I'm going to challenge Mayor Pete's campaign, and I'm going to challenge Elizabeth Warren on Medicare for All, because that's called journalism. I'm not there to be like, well, how'd you think your candidate did in the debate, Jim? But the DNC says they're going to reach out to NBC. You know, not going to hold my breath, but not going to hold my breath. But I'll let them, I'll let it play out for now, see if they actually do. Because I know for a fact there's space in that building in Miami. And I would really appreciate it, folks. I just put the email in the live chat. Give them an email. Tell them why status quo should be in that building. Tell them why we are actual, independent, progressive journalism that belongs at the first presidential debate. And if you want to call them, here's some of their numbers. Because make no mistake about it. If they do not reverse this decision, that is the beginning of the corporate media shielding the establishment candidates. Because I promise you, Jim Acosta is not going to challenge Joe Biden's campaign people at the debate. I promise you, Jeff Zeleny is not going to challenge anybody. I promise you, nobody at NBC, none of their reporters are challenging anybody. So then we're left with a decision. This is an expensive trip. I'm not going to lie to you. It's Ty's flight alone was $600 when you add in the equipment costs because you got to, they charge us for every bag we bring on the plane. He's got a lot of equipment to bring. My flight was around 300. Then you got Airbnb. Then you got to rent a car real quick without even blinking. These trips could cost you $1,500 to $2,000. And this is only for two days. So we got traveler's protection in the event we wanted to cancel it because if we can't get into the debates, yes, there's going to be voters outside and that's a big part of what we do. So we can go down there. We can interview voters. But the main reason I was going down there is I want to be a journalist. I want to challenge power. I'll be fair. I'm not going to, you know, be physically accosting anyone. But I think if Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and Mayor Pete and some of these more establishment candidates are going to say they're for the people and they're about bringing back American values and, oh, I'm a Swiss sandwich, I'm, I'm a Swiss sandwich, Mayor Pete, then I, want, I think you should be asked about doing fundraisers with Wall Street, where you literally, literally, Joe Biden told Wall Street two nights ago, if you elect me president, your standard of living will not change whatsoever. That is a literal quote. Or for the people, Kamala Harris who's been doing fundraisers at the top of Citigroup's penthouse in New York. Or Mayor Pete, who one day is standing with Uber workers and the next day doing private fundraisers with Uber CEO. I'd like to ask Joe Biden's campaign about him referring to black people as the Negro, about him referring to black people as the black man. I'd like to ask Joe Biden's campaign about him in the 1970s saying, I don't think that a woman has the sole right to say what should happen to her body. 
I'd like to ask Joe Biden's campaign about him saying the crime bill did not create mass incarceration. Well, I'd like to ask them, if, if it wasn't the crime bill, what was it? One of those bills that names post offices? So I'm just keeping it real, folks. I don't know if they're going to reverse their decision. I don't exactly think the DNC is going to like go to bat for us. They said they would talk to NBC. We'll see. I think it will make a big difference if you personally email NBC. I think it will make a big difference if you personally call NBC and let them know this is unacceptable because it is unacceptable. They are silencing independent media. So they're going to attack Trump for going after the media, but then they're going to attack media that actually challenges the, the politicians that they hold their lunch for. And you want to tell me that the free press is under attack? No, the corporate press is not under attack. We are under attack. I need to be in the field. Ty needs to be in the field. Marcus needs to be in the field. We need to be in the field to stop this Titanic. Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. Another amazing graphic by the talented Colin Tooley. So you see, Joe Biden, obviously at the front of the Titanic. His buddy, Joe Scarborough, who we're also, we're about to talk about right behind him. Clueless Don Lemon, right on the boat. Got uh, Mrs. Joe Scarborough, Meeker Brzezinski. Chuck Schumer. Titanic can't go down if Chuck's not on it. Got Nancy Pelosi, Tom Perez. They're all on the Titanic. And they're smiling as the iceberg approach, as the boat approaches the iceberg. Iceberg, right ahead. That iceberg is four more years of Donald Trump and probably war with Iran. But what does the Democratic Party care? Remember, Bernie Sanders said they'd rather go down on the Titanic as long as they have first class. And uh, I mean, I don't even know if Joe Biden intention is intentionally trying to lose, but the things he's doing this week, ugh. So after him talking about how great, you know, how civil those times were working with those segregationists in the Senate, uh, he stood by that comment, of course. Of course he stood by it. And then just moments ago, as we were coming to air, Biden shot back telling CNN exclusively he had nothing to apologize for. Corey should apologize. He knows better. There's not a racist bone in my body. I've been involved in civil rights my whole career. Period. 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 Not a racist bone in my body. You know, I just referred to black people as Negroes back in the day. I just, I just uh, used to refer to the black man shouldn't get a head start in society. I pushed a racist crime bill. Iceberg. So, of course, you know, Joe Biden, his first fundraiser was with a Comcast lob lobbyist and Comcast owns MSNBC. So, of course, Joe Biden's buddy, Joe, Joe Scarborough, had to defend Joe Biden for talking about, oh, you know, I, I missed the civil days in the Senate when we could just be civil with those segregationists. 
criticize another Democrat. Uh, she said, uh, celebration, uh, are, you can't celebrate segregationists. Never. I didn't know he did. And here is Senator Kamala Harris and New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio. To coddle the reputations of segregationists, of people who, if they had their way, I would literally not be standing here as a member of the United States Senate, is, I think, um, it's just, it's misinformed and it's wrong. Does he apologize for that? He's going to have to make that decision. But, you know, let's be very clear that the, the, the senators that he is speaking of with such adoration are individuals who made and built their reputation on segregation. My wife is African-American. We have two beautiful children. James Eastland literally thought my wife and I should not have the legal right to marry, that those children should not exist, that our children should not Yeah, pretty much. Let me do it first. Let's do that. First of all, I just, Kamala, I, I love Kamala, but Joe Biden didn't coddle any segregationists in anything that he said. In fact, I think he called one of them one of the meanest people he ever met. If that's coddling, please stay away from me, Joe. Don't hug me. Don't coddle me. That's not coddling. Also, he didn't speak with adoration about desegregationists. His point was, I mean, it wouldn't have been very persuasive, would it, if he said, you know what, I have proven over the past 30 years I can work with Tom Carper and every member of the Delaware delegation. <laughs> that's not the point. He picked the people who were the most repugnant to him, who he disagreed with the most. And he said, I could even work with him. Now, who was it that says, was it Rumsfeld that says, you fight on the battlefield with the enemy that's, that's presented to you, something like that, right? Well, guess what? FDR. The brilliance of FDR is he could work with the Yankees from New England, and he could work with segregationists and racists from the South. And you know what happened when FDR did that? He passed Social Security. He passed the New Deal. He saved this country and he saved poor people like my parents. In the Deep South, he also saved black Americans in Chicago. FDR didn't sit there and go, you know what? I'm not going to deal with the racists in the South. You got to love uh, Comcast Joe there, who he's talking about. What is, a what is a persuasive argument? He thinks he's making a persuasive argument by quoting Donald Rumsfeld. Can you be more of a fucking asshole, Joe, Scobar Joe Scarborough? You think you're making a persuasive argument by quoting Donald Rumsfeld? So, okay, let's, let's, let's just talk common sense here, right? Joe Biden, his whole shtick, besides bending over and giving blowjobs to Wall Street donors, because that's what he's been doing at fundraisers. I'm sorry to be crude, but that's what he's been doing. He literally, literally said to a bunch of Wall Street donors the other night, if I'm elected president, your standard of living will not fundamentally change. This is a quote. I don't know what you call that other than figuratively sexual favors. So Joe Biden's whole shtick is we got to get back to the good old days. Got to go back to the good old days where Democrats, patriotic Democrats and patriotic Republicans can just get together. It's a bipartisan deal. Break bread together and do, and, and do the work of the American people. 
got to get back to those days so they could be bipartisan and, and make compromises like welfare reform, which destroyed black people and single, single mothers in particular, like the crime bill, which ushered in mass incarceration, like repealing Glass-Steagall, like the Patriot Act, like the bankruptcy bill, like extending the Bush tax cuts. Why can't we just get back to the good old days where the Democrats and the Republicans, they work together? If Joe Biden wants to run a campaign on, I'm the guy to bring back bipartisan stuff, which by the way, I think, I don't think the problem is Democrats and Republicans don't work together. I think the problem is they work together too much to pass regressive, terrible legislation that gives crumbs to you and I and gives hors d'oeuvres and champagne to the wealthy donors they're raising their money from. But let's say that's his thing. If you want to quote, if you want to mention the good old days of civility, why didn't you mention Bob Dole? Like working with Bob Dole in the 1990s. Or, I don't know, you know, um, Newt Gingrich. Or, I don't know, any Republican senators you could reference that aren't segregationists? If you want to talk about the civil days, weren't there some Republicans you could have, you know, come up with? Maybe Bill Frist that aren't raging segregationists? Why is it that your first thought was to reference to not only segregationists, but, ra I mean, beyond racist. I mean, segregationists are obviously racist, but why did you first think to mention it was so civil working with those segregationists? Could have mentioned Bob Dole. Paul Ryan, you could have mentioned. I don't know. Name your Republican from the 1980s and 90s who weren't avowed segregationists. But of course, you know, Joe Scarborough works at NBC. Comcast owns N NBC. And Joe Biden did his first fundraiser with Comcast. No conflict of interest. Does NBC ever disclose that, that their parent company is giving money to Joe Biden? Of course not. That would be ethics in the media, not allowed. Now let's see an MSNBC anchor literally yell at Bernie Sanders in defense of their her boyfriend, Senator, Joe Biden. you have joined Cory Booker uh, in the last 24 hours calling on Joe Biden to apologize for comments he made about working with segregationists. And it's, uh, the more people will hear about it, some are saying, well, he was applauding or celebrating that. That wasn't what Joe Biden was doing. Joe Biden was trying to make the point that bipartisanship is necessary. He's done so working with the deplorable of the deplorables. That's why he gave the example of the segregationists. So why is it that you believe he has to apologize? Look, I, mean, I think the media makes a bigger deal of it than it is. So he doesn't have All to that apologize? I say, no, yeah, I do. I do. Because it's one thing, look, when you're in Congress, uh, you work with everybody. I do. I think every member of the Senate, every member of the House works with people who have very, very different points of view. But I don't think you have to be touting uh, personal relations with people who were very brutal 
uh, segregationists who but did Senator, a massive amount of... He okay, wasn't talking that's relations. My view on His um, point I'm was... Sorry. Okay, ma'am, I'm sorry. If you disagree with me, that's fine. That is, that's my view. But haven't you, over a four-decade career, had to align yourselves with people who don't share your views on things in absolutely. order to advance your causes? Yeah, absolutely. Just what I said. Absolutely. I have, and so has every other member of, of the Congress. But one doesn't really count, you know, one's personal relationships... Or, the, or, or make a virtue out of civility when it may be a necessity uh, and not a virtue. Understood. Uh, Senator, thank you for joining us. <laughs> wow. Talk about unbiased, neutral, objective journalism coming out of NBC and MSNBC. And Bernie, can you be a little stronger? I mean, God, what does it take for Bernie Sanders to take off the gloves? I know some of you say that's that's why we like Bernie. Bernie, this is your last chance. You're not getting any younger. What Bernie should say is what I just said, frankly. But, you know, Joe Biden, he's right. You know, we need to be more civil with each other. And he could have referenced many Republicans who, you know, he worked with in the Senate that were not proud segregationists. It's not... The issue is not talking about civility. The issue is referencing two segregationists to make a point about civility. Why is it that nobody understands this? But all I got to say is it's embarrassing at this point. Oh, my God. If you think the media gave Donald Trump kid glove treatment, if you think the media gave Don, uh, uh, Donald Trump all this free coverage and let him get away with murder, what they're doing with Joe Biden is an absolute disgrace. This man has said and done so many racist things, I'm losing track. Iceberg right ahead. And they're all just giggling like schoolgirls. Joe Scarborough, Don Lemon, Mika, Joe, Nancy, Tom. They don't, I think they know that the iceberg's ahead, but they don't care. 